In this week's episode, Cherie Price, who's president of the Illinois Diversity Council, and I will chat about divorcing employees receiving support at work, the State Department addressing accessibility issues, and much more. Hey there, my name is Bernadette Smith. Welcome to Five Things in 15 Minutes, my weekly show where I bring good vibes to DEI. That is good vibes to diversity, equity, and inclusion with a little dash of corporate social responsibility. What I've found is that there are lots of news stories about what's going wrong in the world and lots of negative data, but there are also a lot of things going right. That's what I like to focus on. I search for DEI stories that we can be inspired by and learn from. My hope is to inspire you to experiment with some of these inclusive actions and policies within your own organization to help you build a more inclusive world. Cherie, hello, thank you for joining us. Will you please introduce yourself? Thanks for having me, Bernadette. I am Cherie Price. I am the Advisory Board Council President of the Illinois Diversity Council, one of more than 30 around the country that are under the umbrella of the National Diversity Council. We celebrated our 10th anniversary last year, so we're going into our 11th year this year, and I've gratefully been a part of the council since its origination. And so uh, I'm, a, I'm a long hauler. In addition to my role uh, specifically in DNI as the council president, I have a long time career in healthcare management and so pleased at the recent opportunity to, to contribute to our health equity, to advance health equity for those most impacted communities. Awesome. Well, I'm so glad to have you here today and you bring such a wealth of expertise and experience to this conversation. So, you know what, the first thing I just wanted to talk to you about, Cherie, is, you know, it's been a tough few weeks. We just, you know, had the killing of Tyree Nichols. I mean, it. there's a lot of terrible stuff happening in the world, right? And do you really feel like it's possible to find good vibes in DEI when there are so many examples of oppression? There is absolutely the opportunity to find good vibes. Actually, it's an, it's an imperative. It's, it's kind of a no-brainer. We must, we must, must as a champions that are um, cascading change in this space. And um, I kind of, when, when in thinking of this space, I kind of attribute it to the analogy of maybe someone that's embarking upon treatment plan for, you know, an illness like cancer. You have to have a positive attitude. Like that's the first first um, prognosis from the healthcare provider, you know. So it's the same rule of thumb for, for us as cha champions of change in the DNI space as well. Yeah, I I agree. I mean, and, and that's why I do what I do, because I just feel like we have to look for the light. Yes. And, yeah. and and there are a lot of us who are motivated by building on what's going right as opposed to, uh, you know, there's it's there's room for all of it. I mean, obviously, we have to talk about what's going wrong, but I also think it's important to look for the light. You know, so speaking of that, what's giving you hope these days as it relates to DEI? Hope is out there like like fresh air. So I'm what gives me hope is empowered and inspiring change agents. Um, 
Authentic allyship is another hope check in the box. Uh, heightened expectations in this space. Transparency, you know, whether, you know, it's intended to be to be front and center. It is front and center. And then the undeniable accountability. So whether, you know, someone is doing it willingly, the the, the accountability is there. And I think in, in lieu of this, the, the murder of uh, Tyree, we, we, we saw swift action by those um, in power. And so that's just an example of that. But those are my 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 hopeful nuggets that I that I really cling to. Well, that's a lot. <laughs> so thank you. <laughs> and I'm really glad that you're in a position to keep spreading hope in in the work that you do. I mean, you you have a broad reach in your work with the ILDC. And I know your programming serves a whole lot of folks here in the Chicagoland and, and Illinois area. So so thank you for putting all of those good vibes and best practices out into the world with that work. Yes. All right. So let's get to today's episode. So I'm going to first start with a story from last week, which is the first good vibe. So I was at a law firm to do an event and I was getting mic'd up to speak. And as I was putting on my own mic, because I know how to do these things, right? The, the tech said, she's a pro at this. And then like seconds later turned to me and said, oh, I'm so sorry. I didn't mean to gender you. And my response was, you know, no worries. You guessed right. Thank you. But honestly, you know, I just thought it was so remarkable. And I actually talked to the group about it because we're not quite there where this is like happening all the time and sharing of pronouns and making correcting mistaken assumptions is part of everyday work life. And so I just thought it was a really great example of someone being an ally and someone correcting themselves, but none of it was a big deal. You know, it was all a super quick experience. So big, big props to the tech, the AV tech at Jenner and Block in Chicago uh, for being the first good vibe from this week. Cherie, what's been your experience with this? What do you think about this? I think this was a really good example of sometimes how what I call SMEs, subject matter experts, can sometimes uh, skew perceptions of, you know, a culture, you know, whether they got it all together, whether or not they're kind of uh, early adopters. But I believe that when a culture is normalized by a novice, it's a real thing. I think that that is really a representation, regardless of how um, high in the org chart you have someone that's trying to articulate how far the organization has come or where they are in the journey. But when a novice can really just show up and really display the true and authentic culture of the organization, I think that's a real thing. And I think that that is a true identification of where that 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 organization is. I absolutely agree. I mean, this was essentially a frontline employee. A lot yeah. of times folks like that aren't even invited to diversity trainings, right? Absolutely. 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 So if it's integrated and, you know, disseminated down a little further in the org chart to, to, to that individual, I think that is a, is a good representation. That, that is pro probably what's holistically happening. Absolutely. And, and you know what? I, and I just love that it was just a small action and that acts of inclusion and, and you know, acts that create a sense of belonging. They don't have to be this big thing. Absolutely. They can just be simple. And right. uh, so anyway, I love that story. 
But the, the next good vibe comes from Bank of America, which really is doing a lot of things right. Last year, they raised their minimum wage to $23 an hour versus the federal minimum of $7.25. They just promoted a whole bunch of folks into managing director positions, and more than half are women and BIPOC folks. Mm-hmm. Last year, they expanded maternity and paternity benefits from 12 weeks to 16. I mean, they're just doing a whole lot of great stuff, Bank of America. Yeah. Yeah. I was really, um, I was doing the happy dance when I read that. I feel that Bank of America is creating a blueprint for um, equity that exceeds something that's being mandated. I think equity is best applied when the wisdom comes within rather than someone telling you to do it. That is just the right thing to do. And you take the initiative to to execute that. Absolutely. I think that's perfectly and very succinctly said, you know, and, and this really matters because we know that frontline employees are historically underpaid and undervalued, and they're also disproportionately BIPOC. Yes. Right. So they're more likely to experience the racial wealth gap. And also they're also not represented well in high levels of organizations and, you know, with over over half of their managing partners, I mean, that's a pretty big deal in this recent promotion round. That's huge. That's huge. All right. So the next story comes from the U.S. State Department, which is changing its standard font to improve accessibility for folks who are blind or visually impaired, which is about 13 percent of Americans. So this means that the State Department is changing from Times New Roman, which is a serif font, and switching to Calibri a sans serif font, which makes it a little bit easier for screen readers to read. These are the types of things I don't even think about, Cherie, because I don't have this experience, right? Yeah, that was that was a light bulb moment. And it's, it's just the indication to your point about the first uh, story about just the little things. It's all relevant, right? It's all relevant. And, you know, when organizations, especially our government, makes these type of decisions, all stakeholders should be in scope. And um, I'm reminded of in in my healthcare um, role, you know, how these IT developers, they're always their job is to always create these new and improved applications. But one thing I always find is that they build it first and then step back and ask the users well, how do we do? Well, you missed the mark. And I think that this is a really good example of getting in front of what the end user needed and um, addressing that. Absolutely. It's always better to be proactive, right? Yes, yes. But, but my goodness, I mean, this has been knowledge, I guess, for 20 years, and I didn't know about it. So there are just so many ways to be inclusive. Absolutely. All right. The next story is about a new program from the U.S. government called the Welcome Corps, which is inspired by programs in Australia and Canada. It's a new refugee resettlement program where Americans in groups of five can privately sponsor refugees um, by raising some money, helping the refugees find schools, affordable housing, jobs and so forth. This is, I think, fantastic. I think that the the word that resonated with me with this particular story is the word community. I can envision, I know we, we're past that era, but like, a, you know, uh, women had Tupperware parties. When I have, you know, a sponsorship party or, you know, the faith-based organizations or even, I could even envision like um, Girl Scouts or any type of 
organized group or even, you know, what, what an inspiration to bring a group of folks together, a book club or a wine tasting club. I mm-hmm. think it's an absolute awesome expression of community. I did have a caveat to add to that. I felt like it was a good blueprint for us to address some of the homelessness that we experience in our city. I recently, I'm a big news watcher and I saw a, a report this weekend that a, a grade school in my community where I grew up, actually my grade school and this school was was rivals, uh, Wadsworth is going to be opening up its doors to 250 immigrants to house them. And I was like, what a wonderful idea. And certainly, you know, the the, the two stories um, have some similarities, but I think that um, anything that we do for in, in that space for for immigrants, people that are coming to 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 our, our homelands, we can do for the ones that are underserved that are already here as well. Excellent point. Yes. Uh, and there are certainly is a lot of that in Chicago and, you know, yeah. unfortunately all over. Um, so, yes, thank you for that caveat, because there's a lot of work to do. Indeed. Yeah, I think the news report story said that homelessness has increased from 25 to 33 percent. Wow, that's heartbreaking. Yeah. yeah, absolutely heartbreaking. All right. Well, the last story is about a pledge from UK businesses to support divorcing employees. A study showed that 74% of these employees report feeling less efficient and over 90% feel that their work performance and mental health suffered as a result of the divorce. So the campaign is recommending that companies recognize separation as a life event in HR policy so that support services and counseling are formally available and that they actively publicize that policy and commit to flexible work arrangements. This one um, resonated really personally with me because I, I too, am a, a divorcee. And so um, I had this um, experience. And when I was in that season, I had to advocate for myself with confidence that I was entitled to those uh, considerations, but also with a certain amount of uncertainty because I didn't know what the outcome or the backlash was going to be, you know, whether or not, you know, someone, I was already having challenges with my direct report manager, and I didn't know if that was going to be used as justification, you know, to, to reflect upon my performance. But I can remember just saying, hey, I'm good for it. I've earned it. And I just need some grace. And I think to be able to have a formalized policy and procedure in place to support individuals, I think is just a compliment to the whole um, mental wellness um, conversation. So um, this one gets my vote. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm also a divorced person. So, and and it was really hard for me as well. And I, I'm self-employed and I was self-employed then, and it was really hard, you know, so I'm, I'm a big fan. So hopefully we start to see some organizations here in the U S taking on this type of policy as well. Absolutely. I think that 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 really intrigued me. That may be something I might dive into as a talking point for the IODC to expand the organization. Yeah. Well, if they do, if the organizations in the U.S. start to implement this policy, you can bet I will talk about it here yes. in five things in 15 minutes. So thank you so much for joining me today, Cherie. How can folks find you if you want to uh, 
share your contact information. I have a strong presence on LinkedIn. So just by name, Cherie Price, you can find me there. Um, you can go to the um, Illinois Diversity Council um, webpage and you can find me there. And if you want to uh, uh, send me a direct email, it's ILDCPresident at nationaldiversitycouncil.org. Excellent. Well, thank you so much. And folks, if you don't already subscribe to the Five Things newsletter, you can subscribe at Five Things dei.com. We'll see you next week. Take care. Thank you. Thank you for listening to five things in 15 minutes. I hope you found yourself inspired by at least one of this week's stories. If you did, would you mind sharing it with a colleague and leaving us a review on your favorite podcasting platform? And if you don't already get my five things newsletter, join at five things dei.com. I'm Bernadette Smith. And I'll see you next week right here for five things in 15 minutes, bringing good vibes to DEI 